0: What's going on, folks? Welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition, our first podcast of 2024. Thank you for all your downloads and subscriptions in 2023. Let's get set for a hell of a year here on Got Your Back NHL Edition, shall we? As always, it's brought to you by our fabulous title sponsors, Kuma Outdoor Gear. They got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs—from tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, drinkware. They got that wonderful switchback heated chair as well. It is fabulous product. I love it. Have it all over the house. Use it regularly. And how about this? Gotta love the coffee mug and this cool new uh, mint green color. The guys are super jealous. Pierre Lebrun, Mike Johnson standing by to join us. Check out all that Kuma has to offer. Experience luxury outdoors. KumaOutdoorGear.com is the website. Welcome back to the podcast, my friends. Now, big debate between Jason Strudwick and I, Johnny, Pierre, on how deep into the year you can say Happy New Year and, and, hey, hope your New Year's going great. Do you have a hard and fast rule, Johnny? We can start with you because I can tell you Strud's is straight up being rude to people. Straight up being rude to people, rejecting their Happy New Years.
1: You know what? I, I think Strud's actually doing a service to people so Ooh. that they don't have a social faux pas. I am from the school of Larry David. You have until like the third or fourth at Larry the latest, David. and yeah. that is all you get. After that, it's hello. If we're like five, six, seven days of the New Year, it's the eighth today, Shaggy. I haven't seen you, well, since New Year's. I'm not going to say Happy New Year. It was a week ago. So much has changed. So I am Larry David. I am strutty. Absolutely. I don't have time for a New Year wishes. Well wishes, sure. Hey, how are you doing? Hope everything's going well, Pierre. I hope you're great. I don't need to say Happy New Year to your Pierre. We are way past it. January 4th, my cutoff deadline for sure. Also, I
2: totally agree. And also, if you don't know who Larry David is, or have never watched *Curb You Enthusiasm*, I don't want to be your friend.
0: <laughs> it is good TV. It is. I'm it definitely bad. is good TV, and uh, <laughs> it's it's you know it's that quirky TV. And a lot, of, not a ton of people had heard about it. And then it's just one of those ones everybody absolutely has to watch. Uh, I, I'm sort. I'm with you, Johnny. I'm kind of in that like third, fourth, fifth range sort of thing. The one thing I'll say is that. Happy New Year is, it's different than Merry Christmas or Happy Easter. New Year is a concept. It's like, I hope your, I'm not saying I hoped your December 31st evening went well. I'm saying, I hope your New Year and the days that have followed since have been joyous and good. And I wish you well wishes on those said days moving forward as well.
1: Mm. Listen, Um, I don't care how you interpret it. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear about January (laughs) I get how they bah, humbug. I know what you mean, but I don't need it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not.
0: Uh, Pierre, you got the vintage look. Go- yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, I can't believe you just referenced Happy Easter. I don't think I've wished someone a Happy Easter in about 30 years. But anyway, yeah, I guess that's, that's a fair. comment on
0: me. There's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of that. Pierre, you got the vintage look yeah. going today. You got the old school well, whalers go. in behind. You got the Les Nordique there on the shirt. Uh, you're, yeah, just, you're feeling a little vintage today, are we? Yeah, my wife got me this Nordiques t-shirt.
2: Um, it's kind of funny. There's a picture of me when I was eight or nine years old in Hearst, Ontario, where my late grandmother was really excited about the hockey sweater she got me for Christmas. And it was a Nordique sweater, except she didn't know I was a Habs fan. And the and my face, because <laughs> I'm trying not to disappoint grandma. <laughs> but yeah, that's a classic. I still have that photo
0: somewhere. Fantastic. Uh, Okay, guys, lots going on around the National Hockey League, so let's dive into our breakdown. Brought to you by Kinprint. Over 100 combined years of experience, if you can dream it, Kinprint can make it happen, providing embroidery, signage, printing, logo design. Let Kinprint help you take your brand to the next level. They're high-quality, top-of-the-line apparel. They can help you with promotional products to showcase your company with class. Uh, It's a great Family company, see how they can assist you with your needs. Visit kinprint.ca. So, we are taping this Monday morning, uh, about seven o'clock mountain time, nine o'clock Eastern time. And perhaps by the time people are listening, it'll be dated in that a William Nylander deal will be announced. We don't know for sure, Pierre, um, but we're going to assume that it's, you know, that it's close. Uh, as you've reported, it is in fact close. And that number, Pierre, I don't know how you want to do this. 11.25, 11.5. We've heard a few different things. I, Let's just assume be, it's that range.
2: It's going to be 11.5 uh, unless something has changed here in the last 24 hours and uh, could be announced this morning. So by the time you watch this, perhaps already announced, but it, uh, my sense is it'll be 11.5 million a year times eight years uh, and all the bell, bells and whistles that uh, goes with, a contract of that magnitude. Yikes! For,
1: for William Nylander, Johnny, that clap was for I, the agent. For welcome to the Wiserhood. Well done, sir. <laughs> well done. Golf clap. Well done. Because you know what? Um, every we should celebrate moments when athletes. You know the, the bet on yourself is a bit of an overplayed term, but you know he was willing to forego the guarantee of a contract in the summer to prove how good he is to get more leverage, to support that he last year was not a one hit wonder and he could do it again. And he has done that. And then some, and he is going to get paid. And the fact that he probably, you know, we'll get into all the, but he probably made himself an extra $20 million by how well he played in these last, in these last, whatever, three months. So I give him full credit and the agent as well. Um, But you know, that's, that's a big number. And um, if it ends up being eight times 11 and a half, whatever that is at $92 million, that makes him uh, you know, one of the highest paid wingers or the highest paid winger in the NHL? That, that, that might be right, Pierre. ahead had a Panarin now and I had a Pasternak. Um, but he's producing like he might be the best winger in the NHL right now. Maybe on Kucherov, obviously, who's, who's got a contract that exists. So um, what's fascinating to me here is we dissect this. We, my, my first initial reaction is, one, that's a lot, because I think the, the, the first comparison would be like, that's more than Pasternak. He's not as good as Pasternak. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where the first place people will go. And I think that's right. sort of fair. I don't think he's as good as Pasternak. Um, they're exact same, drafted together. They know each other very well, very comparable. Um, but then there's the, well, how much better is Austin Math used than him because they're on the same team, that internal comparison uh, and how much he deserves relative to the internal comps. On his own team but um i don't know pierre like the that seems like a very big number for an amazing player and this entire conversation it's not about down you know selling short how great Neilander is it's just you know when you're talking this much money Pierre, how do they get to that if it ends up being 11-5 a number that big
2: yeah certainly I think one of the impacts in this negotiation was that when Gary Bettman finally confirmed that the board of governors meeting in Seattle uh, a month ago, exactly a month ago, that the cap would indeed go up 4.2 million. I think that emboldened the Nylander camp to say, this is a conversation about the percentage of the cap and not so much just the AV, right? So Mm -hmm. yes, uh, he's going to end up making more than Pasternak, but the percentage of the cap is what you got to look at. You know, Pasternak a year ago is negotiating on a cap at the time that's 82.5 and that they knew still that would go up 1 million to 83.5. Nylander is negotiating off a cap that's going up to, to 87 plus. Hmm. That That's the real life, you know, world that uh, agents and, and front offices live in percentage of the cap. Correctly. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, I don't think the Leafs are announcing they think Nylander is better than Pasternak. What they're acknowledging is that those negotiations happen 12 months apart. That's life. The wheel keeps going and the cap's going up. So, I mean, not to bring it everything back to Edmonton all the time, but imagine if you're Leon Draisaitl, who might negotiate this summer a year out.
0: Yikes. MJ, you, uh, and I'm not throwing this in your face in a negative way, MJ, because this speaks to what Nylander has accomplished, but you handicapped this, or Mystic Mike did, in and around the 9.7 range, I think, and now you see where this comes in. He begins the season, I know you don't like that, you you can clarify in a minute, he begins the season on a 17-game point streak in a year where he's got it all on the line like that. I mean that's just baller kind of stuff. The same kind of baller stuff that has you come out post game with no t shirt, with no shirt on, and a gold chain to do your media. Like the guys, just these <laughs> all pizzazz. <laughs> he,
1: he is. Now, okay, you're right. I had him at nine nine seven. I, think I might have said nine eight eight just to be cute because he wears yeah. eighty eight in that that area. But I had that in August. I was right? gonna yeah. say. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I think Pierre, you know, the confirmation of the cap going up. And the fact that he has been one of the best offensive players in the league this year changed that dynamic. And I said, you know, a month ago, it probably is more like 10 and a half. Yeah. But I did not think he yeah. got all the way to 11. And like, I, I appreciate percentage of the cap as much as anyone. Yeah. I, I, that's entirely how this works. That's why Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid is not the highest paid player in the league. He's the best player. He's not the highest paid. This is how it works. As caps go up, your contract comes due when you get the same percentage. But, I, but what's fascinating to me, and this I think – the, any criticism of this deal should not fall to William Elander.
0: No. Like he, he
1: got the best deal he can get, the one he's, 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 he's earned, the one that's comparable to other people that have done what he's done on his own team and around the league. What's fascinating to me is the Toronto Maple Leafs, in the summer, we're kind of hoping to get him at like around nine maybe under nine, some people in the organization thought, maybe just over nine. And I think William Nylander was looking for something hopefully closer to 10. Could they have gotten Pierre? In August 15th, Neilander, eight years, 80 million, here you go, no trade provision, same structure, all the rest of it. Like I, I wonder because the Leafs wanted to say prove it that how much money it may have cost them while he's proved it and then some um, over the last yeah. three months.
2: Yeah, no question, MJ. And I think that, let's put it this way, let's go back to where the negotiations really started. And it didn't start well. If you remember, we we did some reporting on this at the draft in Nashville, Ryan. There was a bit of a, whoa, you guys want what? And we want to do this. And the two sides weren't very close, which, by the way, is kind of predictable when you start. But back in Nashville in late June, you know, I think that the ask was around ten million a year from uh from Neilander's camp. And I think the lease were hoping to get something in at the time, maybe in the eights. And again, totally understandable when you're starting and, and looking back now, you would have taken ten if you're the lease, but you don't know for sure that this guy's gonna go from an eighty point player, which he was for two years in a row, to now he's on pace for what? Is it one seventeen or one eighteen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another stratosphere. He has brought his game to a whole other stratosphere here in, in half a season. Um, and, you know, top top seven or eight in NHL scoring. Peak of his career, 27 years old. I mean, what is the alternative? And this deal, is, I think, will get criticized by a lot of people because the Leafs never get a break and never get a bargain with their top players, and that's legitimate criticism. But what is the alternative at this very point, at this juncture? How do you replace yeah. Will and Nylander in July with what's available?
0: Johnny, do you want to address that in that, I mean, people will look at this and it's top heavy in terms of the, the forwards. People look at the Leafs and know that it's the blue line that may makes it prohibitive to getting to mm-hmm. where they want to go. And Pierre, you make a great point. You have to keep your best assets. You can't lose them. It just so happens their best assets have all been up front. But is this prohibitive? To being able to raise a Stanley Cup with some of the best players of their generation because they're so heavy up front. And are they going to be able to do what they need to do through the rest of their roster? Yes, they're keeping their guys, but are they building a team that can go all the way in the meantime? Yeah. I mean until they do,
1: they can, right? Right, Pierre? Like until they do, people will say you can't, right? Like would would, how many clubs around the NHL? would take the Toronto Maple Leafs' success in the regular season mm-hmm. in the last five years. Like, they are one of the top three, four teams in the NHL. Now, I understand one playoff series, and that's all, and that's all that really matters. But they, they have had good teams. I do think, clearly, next year is going to be very difficult, right? Austin will be on his new deal. Will he be on his new deal. It's the last year of Tavares making eleven. And even though the cap goes up, that cap increase will be eaten up by Nylander and Matthews and in their increases. So you're not going to be able to change your team very much. You're going to yeah. an entry level contract for one year. You're going to get both goalies on entry level deals next year. You know, like that. You're going to have two million dollars in goaltenders next year. That will help them in a little bit as well. But it's after next year. And you know, think about this: like four more years of Austin, eight more years of Willie, Mitch will probably resign for another eight years as well. Like, yes, the windows now because they're at their best, but they're not leaving. Next year is going to be hard, Pierre, because of John Tavares and his contract. The year after, you know, Tavares will get scaled back, maybe half as much. The cap will go up another four million. All of a sudden, then you're going to have that ten million dollars to play with that yeah. that you'd like to address the other teams. The question is, what do you do? Like, what are you going to do without William Nylander? What do the Leafs that's, look like? Say, so say, okay, saying. take your take your eleven million dollars, Shoggy. Take it. He walks. Whatever, you're not going to trade them this year. You're going to let them play it out. So he walks. You got $11 million of space. What are you going to do? And how is that team going to be better than, right. than what the Toronto Maple Leafs look like now? Now, I don't yeah. know who's a pending UFA defenseman. They can sign some, you know, they can go sign Noah Hannafin. You know, like he's a very good player, and they could probably sign another pretty good forward alongside with it. So you get Hannafin and Tyler Bertuzzi back for $11 million. Are the Leafs better off than Nylander and an entry level contract defenseman? I don't know. And think about this because we know Marner and Matthews are so good together. Someone else has to drive that second line as Tavares ages up and and like make it go on his own. And as great as Mitch is, you know, he's probably not quite as, as uniquely talented as Willie to do that. Like they need Willie and what he brings and the style he plays Pierre, going forward. So This is the conversation Toronto had. Like you know, we we explore these ideas, but they keep their best player, the one that makes their offense go. Next year will be hard, Pierre. But then after that, it probably eases off to be more like other teams.
2: Yeah. So so you nailed the most important point. It's a twelve month issue. John Tavares will come off eleven million a year in a year and a half, and and uh, presumably will want to stay elite. At least want to keep him. But he'll come back, I think at a much reasonable figure. So it's a one-year issue, but it's still a big issue. Number two is, if you really want to peel back the onion, this is why the dramatic divorce of Kyle Dubis and Brendan Shanahan was maybe the worst time event ever for this mm-hmm. organization. Because mm-hmm. there isn't a GM alive that's going to come in as the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs and within four weeks decide to trade either William Neland or Mitch Marner. The reason I bring that up is that Mitch Marner's full no-move kicked in last July 1st. Yeah, Brad Treeland, in, in about a span of four weeks, have to decide two things. Am I getting rid of either Nylander, who i got to try and sign in the next 12 months, or am I getting rid of Marner before his no-move kicks in? And, and I think 99% of GMs who just took over that job with this team that gets 100 points every year despite their playoff issues would have said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trading those guys. And that's fine. That's reasonable. I mean, I I don't think as a new person I would have either, except that now you're in this very interesting situation because with Nylander signed and obviously full no move for William Nylander, this extension, Mitch Marner now this summer, what happens with him one year out with a one year left on his deal? And again, he's got the full no move. Mm -hmm. that's where the interesting situation is going to come up, especially depending on how the playoffs go. You know, if it goes well, then my guess is Marner, you know, probably plays ball and he wants to keep the ball rolling. The Leafs are getting closer and closer, but it's a, it's a gong show and all the heat and Marner, it seems to take a lot of the heat every year. The Leafs get knocked out in the playoffs. Is he like, you know what? Maybe I'm not extending, but then what? doesn't mean you can trade him.
0: (laughs) So, Wow. This whole
2: thing has more layers coming at it. How
0: sure. about Mitch Marner and Leon Drysidel? Same thing, same time, very yeah. similar scenario. My goodness! It's except, do- yeah.
1: Except Leon has earned and deserves like a four and a half million dollar raise per year. Right. And Mitch yeah. maybe has earned a five hundred thousand dollar to a million dollar raise. Like the gap that Leon has earned <laughs> and has been underpaid is so much bigger than Mitch. But it. It, 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 another one other point about this is like yeah. two things one you mentioned the no t-shirt thing like part of what makes this contract good for William Melander is he is that guy like he oh, is yeah. a guy who doesn't seem quite as phased by the noise in Toronto as evidenced by this year if anyone was going to be kind of bothered by the pressure and the heat and what at stake it would be Willie given what yeah. was at stake with his new contract he does not let this stuff bother him. he just lets it Flow off his glorious hair and just rolls right right <laughs> off his back. He does not care. I think that's important if you're going to commit to a guy this kind of contract and the expectations and pressure that goes with it. It's important, Pierre. Yeah, I will think
2: about. We had Mark Shifley on this podcast, and I think Mark Shifley, frankly, was more representative of most players in that situation. Mark Shifley did not hold back, right, Ryan, when he said yeah. the relief yeah. that he felt when he got his extension done one year out. Like that was a big deal mm-hmm. for Mark Shifley. I think 90% of NHL stars are more like Mark Shifley. William Nylander is a unicorn. <laughs> William Nylander is like, UFA year, let's go.
0: Let's go. Right. Giddy up. Bring don't on the pressure. About,
1: don't worry about yeah. the $80 million I've left it on yeah. the table. Like, that's okay. Yeah. I'm just going to you know, throw like down a 17
0: bad. game point streak. Just I'm just going to hit the ground running with that. Dude. He's
1: got points. The, the other thing every I would say, say
0: is, uh, I know.
2: So I think Austin Matthews next year. Oh, I wish I had written it down. It was in my Nylander piece from Thursday in the Athletic. But I think Austin Matthews' percentage of the cap when his extension kicks in next year is around 15%. Does that sound right, MJ? I think it's around 15%. Um, yeah, roughly, yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm Leon Dreisadl,
0: <laughs>
2: that's the society you live in. I know. I'm just know.
0: saying
2: you're in the yep. Austin Matthews society. So I don't know how you take oh, less yeah. than 15%. As
0: podcast host, I'm stepping in here. I'm stepping in because you open the door to the Leon Dreisaitl extension, (laughs) which then leads to the McDavid extension, which percentage, Mm -hmm. we're not doing that. You know why we're not going to do that today, guys? Because we respect the Winnipeg Jets fans far too much. They're already screaming at us for going this long on the Leafs. We maybe should have started with them. This is all the Winnipeg Jets have done. Rattled off six in a row. Points in 12 straight, played three games in four nights. Ah, go ahead and win them all. You got the best goals against in the league at 2.38. Nine straight games, allowing two or fewer goals. Number one in the NHL with a 718 winning percentage. Like, it's it's really been something, MJ. And and when you watch the Winnipeg Jets play and you cross-reference these numbers, I mean, we probably should start talking about them as a cup contender here, legit.
1: Yeah, I mean, what they're doing, and and the idea that the foundational piece of this Jets team is largely based on keeping pucks out of their net. What are they at now? Twenty nine games of three or less? Like it's an obscene number in today's NHL. Twenty nine? Like, what are we talking about? That's it, that is crazy. And the fact that Connor Hellebuck has been excellent as he always is, but he's not been the only reason that their goals against is good. He's not the only reason why they're on this streak of keeping the the goals against down. Um, I I give the players so much credit. Look at all their numbers, their chances against, their expected goals against, their actual goals against Pierre. And if defense wins championships in some sports, um, you know, Winnipeg should be considered... Like, it feels like even though they're best in the league, we're halfway through the year. You are what your record says you are, Pierre. And yet... If you were to ask the team people to cluster your top four or five Stanley Cup favorites, Winnipeg would not be in a lot of people's – they would be in the yeah. next tranche, like that You know, six to ten. Like, you're there, but they're not really one of the favorites. I think we might start to recalibrate that because they have something pretty special going on right now um, in it. And and maybe in a departure for some of the criticism of their teams the last three four years, where this year the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, not less than – right? It's not like they got a good roster, but they don't play that well. They got a good roster. They're playing better than that. And that's the team. That's the group. That's the leadership. That's the coaching. Like that's an organizational thing. And I think part of the, you know, the changes they've made have allowed them to maybe, you know, hit this next level.
2: You know, and I tweeted this on Saturday and it's funny because it's a tweet that for whatever reason got way more reaction than I thought it would because I was just pointing out facts, but What's amazing is if we go back again to the June draft in Nashville, which now looking back has, has been this time period last June where so many things could have happened or did happen. But Pierre-Luc Dubois, after asking for a trade, gets dealt that week. And when you talk to other teams that week, they took that as a signal as, oh boy, the Jets are headed for, a at the very least, some kind of reboot or, or, or retool. Where's Shifley headed? Where's headed? headed? And let's not do revisionist history and pretend this didn't happen. Connor Alabuck was on the market.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: but but the issue was, I don't think teams were willing to extend him to the kind of contract that, in a way, let's not get into the whole thing. But the bottom line is, he, he was out there and then he got brought back in as the summer went on. And the patience of Kevin Shubbley off and the Jets front office to say, let's just let these things play out and see. And then the heart to heart, meetings that Chevaldale have had with Hellebuck and Shifley late in the summer, extend those two core pieces. And by the way, that trade with LA for Dubois, and listen, Dubois may win a cup in LA, so it's not like I'm criticizing the Kings, but uh, the Jets got some pieces back there that, is, that are working for them. And, and so to where we were in June in Nashville thinking, oh boy, where is this whole Jets thing headed? To where we are today, where they have the best record in the National Hockey League, is an absolutely phenomenal story by any measure. Mm. Really no is no question. No question. And when, and,
0: when, it,
1: go ahead, but John. I, I think I think you have to just take this consideration, Like the players are not immune to what's going on on their team. Like they see Wheeler getting bought out. They hear, like they know Hellebach may is out there. They know Scheifele's. Is likely leaving. He, they both want deals that maybe they're not going to get, whatever. I, I, I just, the, the players deserve so much credit for kind of recalibrating with the group they have because this is not what they thought in August. Like, when, like, when, before these deals were signed, this is not how everyone was sort of approaching this team. It was like, a, we're in transition, we're going to reload, we're going to trade all these players, we're not going to try to reset, but we're, like, we're taking steps back before we go forward and, and they've, reca- like, they've been able to make that adjustment on the fly, which is, which is impressive.
0: Well, and, and one, one of the narratives this year has been attendance issues out there. Um, for the team to turn around and, and do this, I mean, if there were ever a reason for Jets fans to just bite right back in and buy right back in, um, you know, this is it. Their star players re-sign and are leading the charge, and they are one of the, if not the best teams in the National Hockey League. And certainly in this moment, they are. Uh, Pierre, you had a chat with Ken Holland. Nice resurrection here for the Edmonton Oilers. Chris Knobloch, a couple of significant winning streaks he's put together in his time. Became the random stat. First coach to coach coach his team to two seven-game winning streaks in the first 25 games of his (laughs) NHL coaching career. It's a little bit random there. But based on your chat with Ken Holland, that article is in The Athletic. Uh he showed some sage patience there, I would say, by not overreacting.
2: Yeah, and I think it's because part of it is it's it's near impossible to make a trade in October. And number two, making a trade when you're two nine and one is like the worst leverage ever. So he he I think Ken Allen definitely uses experience in that lowest of lows moments to try and not do anything stupid. And uh but he was forced into a coaching change and one of the things that he reiterated you know, in our conversation, Ryan, was that they just felt as an organization that they they couldn't go too many more games in the abyss. That if they were going to salvage the season, that was, that was the moment that they had to... And you know they didn't enjoy making that coaching change. Jay Woodcroft's a good coach. Um, but the results speak for themselves. However, when they had that little three-game losing streak, Ryan, right before the holidays, one of the things Ken Holland said to me is that don't underestimate those back-to-back wins right before the holiday break in New Jersey and New York. He, he referred to them as character wins. They were down entering the third period in both games. And he said, A, to go into the holiday break in that frame of mind after those two wins, but B, those two wins got them to 500, NHL 500. And he said that he believed when they made the coaching change that getting to 500 before Christmas was paramount for them to try and then take on the next fight. It's interesting. So it's all sort of happened the way he had hoped from that moment on. And again, they're in a dogfight the rest of the year. I mean, they're in a the walk-art spot now, but they, they, they can't afford to regress. But I tell you what, I like their chances to make it over the other teams in that cluster right now in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah. They're gonna, I think they're the they're favorite to make it for sure, Pierre, although you're right. It's going to be probably tighter than they, they would want it to be. You know, I, I think part of it, Shaggy, is again, inevitable they were way better than they were losing with, right? Like they, you could have gone behind the bench and they probably would have done better than they had done with Woodcroft, right? Like they were just due for that. Um, but I, I, you know what? We all want action, fire, trade, bury, buyout, whatever. Like staying the course with this team, taking his time with the goaltenders, even still. Like he's not sort of, forced a move to go get Peter Morazic or like whoever, you know, some guy that might be an upgrade on Pickard, whatever. Um, I, I, they give him credit. And, and I guess the team for like not waiting for a move, but turning things around. And McDavid's obviously chasing down the scoring lead. Incredible dry settle. But how about Zach Hyman? I mean, oh, mm-hmm. like the, like, so what I like about this story is that I remember sitting in the TSN offices When Zach first got to Toronto, like his first or second year, and you could see the things he did really well, right? Like the work, you know, the forecheck, the, you know, the facilitation of other good players, but he could not score. Like he could not put the puck in the net. And we're having this conversation and I remember trying to like, yeah, but like, you know, his shooting percentage is four and like, there's no forward in the NHL who shoot 4%. And they go like, no, he's got no hands. Like this idea that he was a guy who could not score no matter how good the players he's playing with. And now he's got three hat tricks, he's got like 25 goals, he's on pace for like 50 for a guy that couldn't score. Um, I think it's brilliant that he is sort of stuck with who he is, but just, you know, evolved and grown his game. Uh, but talk about shedding a rep here, the idea that he was, you know, stone hands, couldn't put it in the net. And now he's, he's one of the better goal scorers in the league.
2: And listen, obviously, Ken Allen deserves to be criticized in the Oilers' front office for the Jack Campbell signing. There's, there's no other way around it. That's been a complete disaster. But it should be mentioned in the same breath every single time that the, the, the other extreme of July 1st decisions for the Oilers has been the Zach Hyman signing, which arguably is maybe the best in a decade in free agency in the National Hockey League. I mean, oh, yeah. that's how good that signing has been yeah. um, by any measure at all and I get it maybe the contract doesn't age gracefully because of his age and the way he plays hard who cares we're about to be maybe a year from it paying for itself anyway. like I mean it's it's it's
1: and real quick you know the least for the captain he's been incredible real quick though (laughs) Shaggy one thing I may do something on this later Zach Hyman has learned to become the mirror image of Sidney Crosby when it comes to backdoor availability have you seen, mm. like, you know, Sid goes down there, he turns the skate sideways, he's got a yep. stick in front of it, he gives you all kinds of things that he can hit on the back door and he's going to tip it in. Zach, yep. a righty, does the same thing all the time. He's back there and he's got to skate sideways, he'll take him off the hips, off the shins. Like, he knows, like, here's the backboard, fire it off me. He, I, yep. I, it's like, you know, righty-lefty, not quite the same, but I watch him like, that's, I don't know if he picked that up off Sid or it's just kind of intuitive, but. Sid was the first one to sort of offer all those different targets and Zach does the exact same thing and he has really good passers throwing it down there most of the time it's on his stick but I don't know how many banking off his shins or his you know butt or his hips or whatever I just think it's interesting that he's kind of you know mastered that little nuance on the back door like Sidney Crosby
0: yeah interesting to watch in Edmonton and by the way Chris Knobloch I know the team was ready to turn around, but he deserves a lot of credit here. They're 17-6 and under him. But, Johnny, this Mm -hmm. is interesting. He's done things a little different here. The Mm -hmm. line combinations are something to watch in Edmonton because Knobloch has loaded up the McDavid line. Hyman and Nugent Hopkins. He's got Leon Leon Dreisaitl playing with Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle. Evander Kane is on the the third line with Derek Ryan and Matthias Janmark. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see... If that is sustainable moving forward. Uh, because be don't you think,
2: Ryan, I mean, McLeod should be at center long term, right? I mean.
0: Yeah, long-term. you would think so. Although, man, was he bad at center for the first chunk of this season. He's okay. been he's been pretty darn good and, on the wing. But yeah, and that's this gets what me, the design is.
2: This gets me to where I wanted to pick your brain, Ryan, Um you know, uh, I think they should trade for a 1B or a veteran backup goalie. All, all due respect to Calvin Pickard, I think they need to give Skinner more insurance. But where else would you go? I mean, is it a bottom six center if you're Ken Holland? Is it a right handed shot upgrade on CC? Like, what would you like to see?
0: Well, I think a top six right winger is probably at the top of the list with the idea that McLeod will land back in the three-center spot. If you're committed to McLeod on the wing, then you need a third-line center, flat out, no question. So maybe you get a third-line center, Johnny, who could also be a top six winger if you needed him to be. Just another Mm -hmm. option at center in case you want to keep McLeod on the wing. But without him at center, it is thin. I mean, you got all due respect, you got James Hamlin and Derek Ryan as your three-four centers. So yeah, right. I think, you know, top six right winger, if you're keeping, uh, if you're willing to put McLeod back at center. And, mm. and
1: remember, they, they knew this, and they took a swing at a top six right winger. was they, they, did, Brown. they did. Right?
0: Like
1: yeah. That was the guy who was supposed to fill that role to put the, you know, the lineup in the order that you're looking it for. But I, I think I do like the idea, because when Edmonton took off right away, it was Nuge, Hyman, and McDavid. Their numbers were otherworldly. Their, their goal differentials, all that. But it wasn't driven by high shooting only. It was like, that's how good they were. They were killing everyone. And then when they lost, they, they, tried to, they broke that line up to try to help Leon out a little bit more. Um, you know, I'm with right winger. Given that I was one, they're not that hard to find. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, if you're asking what's harder to get, right? Like a top six right winger that can work with a guy as good as Leon drysettle That's not impossible to find. Um, as opposed to a top pair defenseman, or, you know, what I mean, so I would think half of least resistance if you want uh, to kind of keep the top line it up and go get yourself a winger. And, and that would probably be something they'd be able to do before the deadline.
0: All right, great stuff. Um, two quick things before we wrap up the podcast. We got a red card, yellow card, no card coming up Ooh. because, well, it's the nation's favorite game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a quick shout out here to Marc Andre Fleury, ties Patrick Waz, record. Yeah. Second most regular season wins, five hundred and fifty-one, uh, has a chance to take over um, number two uh, against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Johnny, your career has overlapped with his, and Pierre, you've covered mm-hmm. him for you know most of your career. Do we have any good Mark Andre Fleury stories, Johnny? Well, I think first off, how
1: he got that tying win kind of sums up mm-hmm. his whole career, right? Like <laughs> the fact that he. He was on his way to the bench. He comes flying back with a Superman dive, and they get back and rally. He makes that crazy glove save, like one of the most stylish, perfect glove saves. I think it was in overtime to keep it alive, and then he wins it. Um, I I think two things stand out. I mean, I've met Mark Andre many times, never played with him, but um, he is, like, so affable, so lovely, so nice and personable and – you know, if you're going to think traditionally goalies are in their own world and maybe, you know, on their own program, he's the, the exact opposite like that. And he's been that way for 20 years. Honestly, he's 20 years he's been like that, and he's never changed. He's done it all with a smile and a good attitude, including moments when he lost his starting job and they won a Stanley Cup. And he had to be the backup and really tough moments where he took it all with grace and class. Um, so, yeah, that one always – and the other one that strikes to me is like, not that it would have derailed a career that's going to be a Hall of Fame career, but if you think back to the World Junior that he was supposed to you know be the, 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 the star of, and he ended up shooting a puck in off Patrick O'Sullivan and losing a gold medal, like, you know, from those sort of traumatic beginnings, he's carved out this incredible career. He's,
0: mm-hmm. he's,
1: um, yeah, he's one of the best. But I love the way he got that win because it was so, him in a nutshell, not textbook. He's not a blocker or a puck. He's an athlete in there, Pierre, and he does it with great style and a smile to go along with it.
2: Yeah, one of the nicest guys I've ever covered, ever. I mean, just, I mean, you described him perfectly, but such grace and a smile that lights up a room. I don't think that guy's ever had a bad day, despite, you know, he's had some adversity, not only leaving Pittsburgh via the expansion draft, I think was hard on him, but, but then after finding this new home in Vegas where he's beloved, getting punted out of there, right? I mean, It's interesting the things that have happened to this guy, but I'll tell you a story of that expansion year in Vegas. I I had written a piece that the Winnipeg Jets were going to mop the floor with the expansion Golden Knights, and and that piece (laughs) had made the rounds in the Golden Knights dressing room. I remember James Neal giving it to me pretty good. Uh, Marc Andre didn't say anything, but in the hallway after I left the dressing room that day, in between games one and two, I remember that Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, was walking out with Fleury's wife, and uh, and she turned around and said, "Is he the guy who wrote that piece?" And I was just like, "Oh, oh my god!" Please. <laughs> and we all had a pretty good laugh about it. But uh, just just uh, an
1: awesome dude, Mark Andre Fleury. Good for him. Real interesting on as the side, Shaggy, and we won't go down this road. But like, for the next the best on best in twenty five, is he, like, <laughs> he might even be in the conversation for Canada. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's, it's I don't know what to tell you. We're just saying thin. a few things. <laughs> <laughs> right. so that's, that's, a, that's a testament to him and also a bit of, but he might be in the top five, six contenders to be on that team, which is yeah. crazy.
0: You just popped open a can of worms and we're just going to walk <laughs> away from them lying all over the Slide floor. Slide away not comfortably. Cleaning it up because yeah. it is time for red card Yellow card, no card. Gentlemen, for this, we're going to go to one of the juiciest, most interesting stories in the National Hockey League over the last, I don't know, month or two. I thought this one, because just the granular level that we seem to get detail on. I'm talking Cole Perfetti and Ryan Hartman. So Cole Perfetti takes a stick in the face off of a draw. Post-game, basically tells the media... Yeah, he told me that he did it on purpose. If you will remember, Kirill Kaprizov got cross-checked, Brendan Dillon, and left the game. And the sense was Hartman did it for revenge. That's what Hartman told Perfetti. Yeah, I did it on purpose. Well, after the you know after Perfetti says that post game, Ryan Hartman then has a chance to have his say, and he goes, "Ah, oh, he was chasing me around, asking me if I did it on purpose. Asked me a few times, and I said I didn't." not do it on purpose, and then kind of says, you know, are, are things that we say on the ice really going to come out in the media? Like, should it be that way? Maybe it's just the kids these days. He feels that what went on on the ice should have stayed on the ice and that Perfetti was out of line for talking about it post-game. So I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to assign any cards anywhere you want here. Red card, yellow card, no card for either Cole Perfetti for saying what he said post-game, or Ryan Hartman for either the high stick or what he said. Johnny, you can go first, buddy. Okay. So,
1: I like to head out multiple cards. I'm going red card, Ryan Hartman. Don't you dare say, oh, poor me. He told on me when he's not supposed <laughs> How about you stop swinging your stick around at people's heads? How's that? How's that? All right. Not profanity, <laughs> but like he's been fine like seven times. So, I don't want to hear him say, that's not fair. You can't do that to me. How about you stop hitting people in the head? You can't do that to them. So red card to Ryan Hartman for the actual clip. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say red card. No, I'm going to say yellow card for comping to it. Because listen, like for Ryan Hartman saying, oh, yeah, I did it on purpose. Like I would say people say all kinds of stuff on the ice. And not all of it's true and not all of it's, you know, they intend to. If that was the case, I would have been killed a 100 times over because I was being threatened to be killed every single game. I'm going to kill you, Johnson. I never died on the ice, right? So, like, you say stuff that's not necessarily true before, after, during. So yellow card for saying it. And for Perfetti, I'm going no card. You got smushed in the face. If you want to say that the guy told you he was going to do it on purpose, when you have, oh, yeah, a microphone that validates what you're saying, he's not making it up. It's not open to interpretation. He was mic'd up. The organization has heard Hartman Coppin this. So no card for Perfetti. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. You want to keep it on the ice, you can do that. But if you don't want to keep it on the ice, you don't owe that to Ryan Hartman. He's you cracked your jaw open. No car perfetti. Yellow for the comment. The red for any problem Hartman has with anything because of how many times he's crossed the line.
0: So two red cards. Is this the first time ever we've given out two red cards to one person in one in one show? I think it might be. Two red cards for Ryan Hartman from Mike Johnson. Yeah,
2: I'll give a red card to Hartman as well. And the other thing about it too is that he knows that Profetti's wearing the mic. The players in the other dressing room know before each game who's wearing a mic in those games. There's no excuse not to understand the fact that you're about to say something that the world may find out about. Uh, the guy's wearing a mic. So why are you being a dummy and saying that? So that's a red card for, uh, for Hartman. And I'm not going to give a card to Profetti because, you know, we are still the worst sport for... Athletes being willing to share stuff compared to other sports in terms of drama and, and controversy, bring it on. We need more of this, quite frankly, <laughs> in the NHL. Uh, it was a story for a week and for a reason.
0: So I'm going to go red card to Hartman for doing it because nowhere in the code of keeping each other honest out there does it exist that it is ever okay to stick a guy in the face as a retribution for anything. That's not part of the code. You square up and drop your gloves, you deliver a hard hit, you get in a guy's face, but a high stick across the face when a player's bent over and vulnerable mm-hmm. in a face-off, that is brutal. So I could give multiple red cards for that, I would, but only one red card per Per specific events. So he's got a red card there. The copping to it, I don't care. I think it's funny. If you did do it on purpose, you might as well tell the guy just to troll him a little bit too. I don't have a problem with the fact that he admitted it. And no card for Cole Perfetti on this. That's the one thing we all agree on. And guys, this is a this is a he said, he said. Hartman says it was in a different context. Perfetti said, but the audio exists. Pierre, what's it gonna take to get that audio leaked? How can we hear that audio? We need to hear that audio. Over the NHLPA's collective
2: dead bodies, I guess.
0: (laughs) Man, somebody sitting in the back of a broadcast truck somewhere knows the answer all right great job today fellas that's going to wrap up the podcast a big thanks to our sponsors kuma outdoor gear and kin print as well we're happy to be rocking and rolling again here in 2024 another podcast coming your way next week in the meantime thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions keep an eye on our socials um really appreciate it. it's been a fun ride here on got your back and it's going to continue we'll talk to you soon folks have a fantastic week happy new year johnny happy new year